0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. That's right. You're listening to it right now, Robert, along with co-host RG Seal. And yesterday, we looked at the Rockets playoff matchup. Go back and find that one if you need your Rockets fixed this week. But RG, this week, we welcome back in full force MVP, Altulve. Uh, We got a walk-off walk-off on Sunday along with a shirtless ab Tuve which was kind of sweet. And then he puts in that virtuoso performance in the Astros first ever sweep of the Yankees. Four home runs in three games. Wow. Yeah, I mean everybody was uh, after the
1: first road trip of the season for the Astros, they were wondering, hey, what's going on here? Two and five, you know, they they just you know, they won the first game with Justin Verlander in Tampa Bay and then uh, lost three in a row and then lost two out of three in, in Arlington against the Rangers. So come back, and they do something that for the first time they haven't done since closing out the season in 2004 that was sweep a series, a homestand at Minute Maid Park. So yes, it's good to see the Astros are starting to play better baseball. They're uh, now 8-5 and five after uh, going 6-0, and oh. and yes, they beat the Yankees, which no matter what, I mean, this is a Yankees team that's going to be competing for an AL pennant along with the Astros. So I know they're banged up right now. Luis Severino still on the shelf. They don't have John Carlos Stanton. Other guys, you know, are on the, on the injured list for the Yankees. But still, to beat the Yankees, to, to show early in the season that, you know, at home, the Astros getting back on the, the right side of the ledger here, it was a good homestand and an impressive performance overall.
0: All right, my one beef with uh, the the sports universe this week. I mean, the Astros, so much great stuff to talk about. But I, I just want to say, can we get rid of hamstrings in sports? I just want to just literally go to our Houston athletes and say, do we really need these things? Can we just, like, take them out of your bodies? Is there some way we can operate without the hamstrings? Because, you know, we, we've got the Kiki QT and Chris Paul – nightmares we've been living through over the last couple of years and now it's Alex we've added Alex Bregman into the mix I mean it sounds like it's a minor thing but every time I hear hamstrings RG I don't know about you I just I kind of wince in pain it's like oh no not again not again yeah
1: well that's a yeah look Alex Bregman like you said sat out the final game against the Yankees he's questionable upon when he's going to return they're trying to keep him off the injured list. They're trying to keep him from from going on that. But it's early in the season, and I know that. Hey, everybody talks about you know want to get off to a fast start in April. And now that the Astros are eight and five, they're above five hundred again. Uh, they're not in first place because the Mariners have played exceptionally. But you know you don't want to rush Alex Bregman back, have him possibly aggravate or hurt the the hamstring even more, and then he's not able to play for several weeks, you know, at a time. So better to kind of rest him right now, let that thing get completely healed. It is April after all. It's not September or October. Better to let him get fully healed. I know it's a hamstring, but hey, that's what it is.
0: Interesting that A.J. Hintz decides to, instead of putting uh, Diaz at third base, he has him at first base, moves Yuli over to third base. So that's what they're going to do defensively, it looks like, without Bregman. But before Bregman gets hurt, he taught korea the art of the 20 foot rbi single which was really good rg uh, Correa, we talked about him last week 316 960 ops it's early but still seeing great stuff and and korea again i think i talked about this last week but i will reiterate it punctuate it even more than the offense it's Correa's defense it's just i mean it's so nice to have that gun out there and the 6 foot 4 frame that you know makes these diving catches and, you know, can jump like nine feet in the air, 10 feet in the air and get that great extension on balls, trying to try to hit it over his head. But Correa, what can you say?
1: And you look at it like with the Astros uh, infield. I mean, when you have uh, Jose Altuve at second base, you have Car- Carlos Correa at, at shortstop and Alex Bredman at third base. I mean, you have that air solid tight defense that you want. And like you said, Carlos Correa, Correa makes highlight real amazing plays. He seems last year, of course, he got injured, had the back problems. And so that hampered him not only maybe a little bit defensively with his range, but we know they affected his mechanics at the plate. So it's great to see him start off this year, uh, like you said, be able to get clutch hits, even get broken bat hits. His uh, game winner against the Yankees on, on Monday night. And that was coming off, you know, when the Astros got to the bullpen with Zach Britton And then subsequently with Adam Ottavino, that was against Ottavino. He's able to get that broken bat hit. But like you said, defensively, he's able to add an extra dimension element there. And that's one of the things that I think that you know, coming in future weeks, I think at the trade deadline, I know Oletimus Diaz has been in there, begin with as a defensive replacement, but we've seen that he's had some problems out there. That's where the Astros really miss Marwin Gonzalez is because like a Bregman goes out and then you see in the final game against the Yankees, you have to put like Yuli Guriel at third base and then he makes an error, right? Yeah, you're,
0: you're basically playing musical chairs right now and, and, and you weren't having to do that with Marwin. That, that was, we thought that would be a, a concern. But I'm saying
1: that that's... That's a place where you might be able to, Jeff Luno might look at like, OK, come. I mean, they're trying to do that. I even see with Miles Straw, they're trying to convert him down at like the minor league level to play some shortstop so that they can also play the outfield and have more utility. But like we've said before, the Astros like that versatility. But I think that that's one way that if you're looking at like big picture here, because we're still looking at Astros postseason long term. You know, how can you maybe improve the club is maybe get that guy who can come in, be defensive replacement that can uh, can also hit that, you know, hey, everybody in baseball wants that, but can play like the multiple positions and basically find another Marwin Gonzalez. They, you know, I'm not giving up on a Diaz right now, but, you know, he's gotten off to a little bit of a rough start. He's got a little bit better at the plate lately. I mean, he had a rough series on the road to begin the series season, but that, that's just one of the things I'd say like that and You know, the backup catcher position, there's something to look out for early on in the season.
0: Offensively, though, I mean, Bregman hurt, but he was batting 341 with a 928 OPS. I mean, that's (laughs) unreal already. But you look at some of the numbers, Altuve is now hitting three, as we're talking, 314 with a... Uh, 1,015 ops, and congratulations to Jose too for 100 home runs as an Astro. So big milestone this past week. Brantley hitting 306 with an 848. Uh, uh oh, J- Josh Reddick 303. I mean, he's looks like so far he's having a little bit of a bounce back, but. Maybe the guy that's the surprise of all surprise, RG. The the flowing locks, the the beautiful skin, the incredible uh, grace as he runs with. But he can hit now. 389 for Jake Marisnik. I mean, it's 18 at-bats, but, you know, 389 for Jake. He's he's making contact. Small,
1: small sample. Remember, this happened. It's happened before, though. Jake Marisnik's gotten off to fast starts. I don't remember, like, a few years ago when he was hitting, like, you know, over 300, maybe even close to 400. It was, like, April or May. You know, it's, like... Look, I'm glad that he is. I mean, he's he's a Gold Glove caliber defender. He's a guy that can come in. He can, you know, he can offer you some speed on the base pass. He, you know, if he can hit, he can offer you power at the plate. So, I mean, he's a good reserve outfielder. Let's not get carried away. I think the the thing that we that we need to look at here, though, is with what you mentioned with Reddick. I mean, there's a guy that said I've got to change my approach to the plate over the off season. He seems to have gotten off to a good start, which is good for the Astros because if it'd been the Reddick of last season, you know, with uh, lower OBP, lower average, uh, you know, that wouldn't have been good. It, it would have been people, a lot of people saying it's time to call up somebody from the minor leagues or look about, you know, making, you know, putting Reddick on the bench and finding somebody else. And then Michael Brantley. To me, this guy is just professional hitter. I mean, you saw the key hits that he had in the Yankee series. The guy, just the p- approach that he takes at the plate, he's a perfect guy to insert in the lineup. If you were going to say you're going to break up the lineup where you have with Altuve and Bregman and Correa and put somebody in there. Michael Brantley is a perfect guy, left-handed hitter, solid approach to the plate, makes contact, moves runners along, has power. Just a big acquisition in the offseason. It's not really been talked about too much. The one thing with the Astros that they need to do a better job of is just hitting with runners in scoring position. They still haven't piled on the runs yet. They still haven't had like those games where they score where they are maybe capable of, you know, breaking out for six to 10 runs and, you know, making it easy on their pitching staff. But I wanted to mention this to you. How about that pitching staff? How about that starting rotation to start off 2019?
0: Before we talk about that, I, I just want to respond to the the fact that you said uh, they they have had a couple of breakout games recently. Uh, two of the last four, I think they. They've they've had a, had a good amount of runs, but also Jake Mariznick. It's not just the average. I, I think his swing and miss is different. And you said Reddick has taken a different approach, and so has Marisnik. We'll see how it works out. He is, he maybe is who he is. I don't expect him to hit, be, become a 300 hitter, but if he learns how to make contact more, it's a huge thing because with his speed, that makes a big difference. But you talked about the pitching, uh, the batting average. I was going to mention was is second in baseball, which is pretty cool. But uh, as we're recording on Thursday, but uh, the pitchers are fifth in strikeouts, second to last in walks. So great combo. I agree with you of power and control. But, RG, are you concerned at all about Verlander? Because he, he doesn't look like the Verlander that we've seen at least so far. It's only three games, but you know, I, I, I don't think he's has been nearly as sharp as we've seen him in his, in his year plus with the Astros.
1: No, not at all. I mean, this is like Justin Verlander, his first game of the season against Tampa Bay. He got that opening win. What he gave up one run in that game, and then you know, pitching in Arlington. Look, anytime you pitch in Arlington, it's a, it's a, it's a tough place to pitch. It, I don't care, you know. So, and then the third game was against the Yankees. It's one of the best lineups in baseball. I mean, that's going to be a tough. Tough lineup to face any time out. So I mean, it's just a small, stupid size. We've, we've seen what this guy's done as an Astro. I mean, he still can get it up there velocity wise. He still knows how to pitch. He still is. I don't worry about Justin Verlander. What I, I you know, what I've been more impressed with, you know, because I mean, Justin Verlander, I th- this guy's going to be great still. What the Astros have been able to do, losing Lance McCullers to Tommy John surgery, Dallas Keuchel left a free agent, still unsigned. You know, maybe. Uh, Is there a team out there that still is going to sign him for this season? Who knows? And then, uh, of course, Charlie Morton leaving for Tampa Bay. And Charlie Morton's already pitching well for Tampa Bay and and beat the Astros. So they had three holes in the rotation that they had to fill. One of them went to Colin McHugh back in the rotation.
0: Oh, no, But McHugh's been fantastic. I mean, Wade Miley's been solid. Brad Peacock, uh, he had one good game. He had one bad game, and now he's out of the rotation. No, he's not out of the rotation. It's because there are a lot of off days coming up. He's pitching out of the rotation. That's bullpen. what I mean. That's what I mean, though. Yeah, he's, he's out of the rotation, as, as in they moved him to the bullpen because of the off days. But to me, it's still too early there. I, I do want to go back to a concern, though. Uh, that's Josh James. Uh, he's not hitting 100 on the gun this year, which is, I mean, that's why you were all excited about him. Three home runs and eight innings pitch. The velocity, though, RG, that is, is a real red flag for him. And I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if he, it's because he hasn't recovered from that injury. Well, look at it all
1: around baseball. There are a lot of bullpen problems around baseball, especially early on here in the season. And the Astros have been one of the better bullpens, to be honest with you. Because, if look, Presley and Osuna, once you get to that, part of the, the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've been lights out. So, I mean, we should be, I mean, the Astros should be pretty fortunate. Will Harris has pitched well, even Hector Rondone last year left off the playoff roster and here, you know, he started off, you know, reasonably well out of the pen. Chris Davinsky, you know, another one who's been, so, I mean, the Astros, yes, uh, I do agree with you about Josh James. It might be uh, tied to that injury because he did, you know, he did get injured in the spring. He's, he doesn't have the same velocity. That is something to watch, but if you only have like one or two bad arms out of your bullpen, at least you have guys that you can go to and say, you know, uh, good night now, you know, basically when they're they're in there. And that's I mean, Presley's, again, been sensational uh, start off the season and like I've seen a closing out game. So, I mean, the Astros are in a little bit better spot than than a lot of clubs out there. And, you know, it, it, and they do have more arms that they could potentially call up or move back to the bullpen. For instance, if Forrest Whitley ever comes up, takes a spot in the rotation, well, then that means maybe Brad Peacock goes back to the bullpen, because like you said, one great start, one so-so start, but he can pitch out of the pen, and we know Brad Peacock's been a weapon out of the pen in the past. But I think the important thing is with starting pitching, because a, a lot of these teams have all gone to the, like, well, we'll pitch you know, four or five guys in relief, and we'll get, you know, it doesn't matter how many innings we get of our starters. But over the course of a season, and the teams that generally do well in the postseason— get good starting pitching. In the postseason now, it's become a totally different thing where, okay, you know, we got to win for that game. So we'll, you know, if we have to yank a starter after three or four innings, I'm just talking about for a 162 marathon game season, you still want pitchers that can go six to seven innings because if you're only getting four to five innings and using four or five relievers, Not only does that kind of tax the arms in your bullpen as the season grinds on, but then also you're kind of making pitchers susceptible when you've got four or five pitchers in a game, you know, that, you know, one of them might have a bad outing like a Josh James. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, you're you're staring you know, down in the deficit column because you know all of a sudden you were leading the game and now you're in a hole because you you know you had to, to 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 go to you know four or five relievers in the bullpen. So I don't. Know, it's just like to me, baseball is changing and and we see that in the postseason. But still, I think that getting good starting pitching that's a sound fundamental for a, a good ball club. And that's why I'm still bullish on the Astros.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just. I, I like to point out some of the p- problems, some of the good stuff from the problems, some of the things that really stick out for me. And I, you know, obviously the pitching has been overall really good. I mean, Presley and Harris haven't given up a run this year, and Osuna's been good. And I mean, it, you, there's a lot of stuff. And and you said it, the, the the starters get usually even if they're struggling a little bit, Verlander and Cole can usually figure out how to get you deep into ball games. Colin McHugh, like we said, has has been extraordinary. But uh, the attendance numbers over the weekend, I don't know if anybody noticed this. So the A's over the over the weekend anyway 43 34 and 34 which is what you what you would expect but the Yankees numbers Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday and you know I don't typically pay much attention to attendance numbers but I just thought it was odd that you know the, the numbers uh Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday were 30 27 and 31,000. I think it was in that range which I was expecting. I mean we're talking about the Yankees come into town, RG, what, once a year? And and the fact that there wasn't a sold-out house with the, these two squads, is that a surprise to you at all, how low the Yankees no, are? No, I think it's fake
1: outrage right there. I mean, I just don't know. I, I mean, it's a little bit maybe because it's the Yankees and do all that. But we know – I mean, this dates back in Houston – anytime the school's still in session in April for weekday games, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, unless it was like, even for opening day, you'll get those huge crowds, like a 40,000 for an opening day. And then Tuesday and Wednesday after it, they get 20 to 25,000. It's just how things are in Houston until school's out because families don't feel comfortable bringing their kids to the ballpark and being, you know, getting home at 10 or 11 with, you know, school the next day or, you know, having to get to work and get the kids up in the morning, all that. So, I mean, that's why you have the big weekend crowds and a lot of, People come from out of town for Astros game. They aren't going to come in the middle of the week when they have work and school. They can plan it better during the summer. So, I mean, I just, I just don't see that as a factor. But I want to ask you one thing: is like the Astros have a big series coming up with the Mariners, and the Mariners have been the big talk of baseball to start off the season. As we're recording this, they are uh, twelve and two, and. I mean, they've been having a record-setting offense. Talk about, I mean, everything is just going right. I mean, Jay Bruce has had seven home runs to start the season. There's Daniel Vogelbach, uh, you know, been one of the big success stories. You know, five home runs, uh, Edward uh, four home runs added to that lineup. Everybody thought that Seattle would be a team that would be taking a step back. And granted, you know, they had a home series against the Red Sox to start off. And also the Angels, so they started off well at home, and they played those games in Japan with Ichiro and all that. So I mean, they've had kind of some some things that have kind of gone their way early on. But the 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 more that they play really well, their lineup believes in themselves. I mean, they're playing really good baseball right now. I mean, they could be a factor all season long. Maybe the Astros will still win up. I think, still think the Astros are the best team in the division, and because of their pitching, will end up winning the division. But uh, the Mariners have been a surprise start this season. What do you think
0: about the the M's? Normally, I would say, you know, oh yeah, they, they they got confidence. You know, it could be one of those surprise teams. I, I would, I, I don't, I wouldn't say anything to say, oh, it's a bunch of crap. But I, I very much feel this is a bunch of crap. They're terrible defensively. That we knew that going into the year, they're making errors left and right. They've gotten away with it so far. They're hitting two ninety something, which is not sustainable. Not. Anything close to anybody else in baseball right now? No, they're they're putting up historic numbers. You're right. I mean, they're 27 Yankees type numbers. Wait, wake me in about a month and we'll see where they are. I'll, I'll be interested to see how they look this weekend against. I'm the I just
1: think that they could be at least. Everybody thought, well, this is gonna be a team you know, trade off Robinson Cano. Yeah, you know, you end up like trading off Edwin Diaz. You know, like they had their you know big big sale, fire sale of players and James Paxson to the Yankees and all that. Oh, this team is gonna be terrible. And then you know uh, Jerry Depoto put. Assembles together this team. I mean, we thought it, we saw this last year with kind of Oakland, you know, and and again the AL West looks better. I mean, Oakland's you know back to 500. The Angels are above 500 now as we're recording this. So I mean, Texas has started off better as the Astros saw. I mean, yeah, I think that things will kind of even out. A lot of teams are playing above expectations, and there are some bad teams in the American League, so you can kind of pad your your stats or your wins against those teams. But it's a little bit more, at least a little bit to start off the season, a little bit more interesting with this division. And, And the M's, I mean, if you kind of have this kind of, you know, you keep winning. We've seen this with teams before, you know, for whatever reason, you know, you get a good feeling in the clubhouse and you start winning and all of a sudden you can have one of those special seasons. You know, even if you don't have the talent, I mean, that's just the thing about baseball. I mean, you know, you get a good clubhouse chemistry together and you have, they do have some talent in that lineup. They have some hitters, but like you said, vulnerable defensively and and the pitching, let's see if that can hold up. But you know, Jerry Depoto, that guy's going to make some trades. So already an early... Early going in the season, going to Seattle, it's a much more interesting and potentially entertaining series for the Astros than, than we thought it would be when looking at the schedule, you know, in the, in the off season, get your
0: Starbucks ready for this weekend. You're going to have to stay up late like usual with the uh, Mariners games, but Hey, uh, a couple more Astros notes, but if you'd like to meet me in person, come out to the sports fan expo last weekend of April, it's coming up in just a couple of weeks. I'm going to be out at George R Brown Saturday uh, April the 27th. Don't miss it because it's the largest sports fan expo in Houston. You know, you can meet and take photos and get autographs from, you know, Astros, Texans, UFC. Five. The big thing is, I mean, I'm looking at this lineup and it's Deshaun Watson, Altuve, Bregman, Springer, Correa, Yuli, uh, Tyler White, Warren Moon. I mean, just uh, everybody, uh, Houston is going to be out there. And you got Drew Brees also, uh, Marcus Allen, Fred Belitnikoff, some some legends of the past too, but Um, Hey, RG, I asked our listeners who their favorite Astros player was. And the choices I gave them, obvious ones, Altuve, Springer, Correa, Bregman. Uh, Twitter only gives you a certain amount of room, and I didn't have enough room to put Verlander into the poll. I had four. Um, Maybe there's some Verlander people out there. I told people you could write in your own candidate. But uh, just out of curiosity, um, who do you think would have won a poll like that? I mean, between those four guys before the big know kind of the Mount Rushmore of Astros right now probably Jose Altuve interestingly enough it was uh Alex Bregman the people's champion uh Alex Bregman won well, you are asking it on Twitter though and he rules social media so right exactly well that helps too but yeah Bregman it was close 41 percent Bregman 31 percent Altuve Springer got 21 percent Correa uh not a fan favorite as much as the other guys only got seven percent and it was about 100 people that voted and you know, Springer's my guy. I mean, and boy, RG, I, you know, George Springer, he's the, he might be the most clutch Astro in history. I mean, Berkman's up there, but George Springer, a couple more huge, huge hits over the last few days. And it seems like when there's big hits to, be, to get late in games, uh, George Springer likes that, that moment. And the other thing about George Springer, and somebody mentioned this on Twitter, and I thought, this is, they're exactly right. George Springer, not, not just him, but especially George Springer plays these games, these regular season games, like it's the playoffs. You 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 see him celebrate and you would think it was game seven of the World Series. And if you're a fan, you've got to love that. If you're his teammates, you got to love that. And that brings up an entire ball club. It raises their level up. And I just, I love that man. I love him. Okay, I can see you have a you have a, a man crush on George
1: Springer. <laughs> Are you going to start playing the Lionel Richie "Hello" in the background or something? Yeah, <laughs>
0: the other the other thing I thought was interesting, uh, I was looking at and we, we, we were talking about attendance earlier on. Uh, the Red Sox, um, their fans, they're 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 going to have a commemorative World Series ring night. You remember that with the Astros back 2017? We remember the World Series ring nights. And uh, they're giving the first 7,500 fans a World Series ring. 7,500. Uh, meanwhile, RG, everybody in Houston, everybody in Houston's walking around with the ring thanks to Jim Crane. Come on, Boston Red Sox. Well, I mean, the
1: Lord of the Rings, right? There you go. Um- I'm still looking back on 2017 as very special. I mean, I, I, anytime you get down or the Rockets lose by a last second shot, you know, that's when you pop in Astros, 2017 world series. Champion. You put on your ring yeah. is
0: what you do. You, you know.
1: put on your ring. <laughs> hey, but I wanted to get back to what you were saying about George Springer, because that was kind of interesting what you were saying, uh, as far as what he means to the club and just how he plays uh, hard every single day and, and does that. Uh, I, and that's the reason why I think that, you know, I mean, if you want to sign another guy to a contract extension, and look, baseball, it's contract extension city these days. It's just that usually a guy, you look at like a George Springer, he's an outfielder in the Astros, of course, in their farm system. They have first baseman outfielder, Alvarez, they've got Kyle Tucker. They've got guys down there that you, you can sign guys or trade for guys. But a George Springer is really kind of a special personality, being drafted by the Astros, like you said, Brayton right the Clubhouse has that energy, enthusiasm, and not only that, maybe one of the best postseason clutch players. Not only well in Astros history for sure, but this guy, when it's all said and done, might be one of the best in baseball history because just he's already been World Series MVP. You just love to see a way for this guy. I know the Astros can't sign everybody. They have Alex Bregman with the extension and Justin Verlander with the extension and Jose Altuve with the extension. So you you know the money's going away, but you you still hope that you can carve out something for George Springer to keep him in an Astros uniform, because this guy, I mean, he, he's just great, you know, all around kind of like, as far as what he brings to the clubhouse, that top of the lineup, kind of the attitude, but I know everybody can't be signed. Just kind of like a a plea here that, you know, Hey, George Springer, Carlos Correa, can we find a way to keep this
0: Astros core together? Speaking of chemistry and the Astros, this is something that I I was thinking about. This is going to be interesting with Jeff Luno as to how important he thinks Josh Reddick is to their chemistry, because if Josh Reddick all of a sudden has figured it out and he's back to being a 300 hitter, he makes a lot of money this year. I think he's got one more year where he's making a lot of money. Uh, You're going to have to sign George Springer. You got Verlander's extension that's coming in next year. That's you got like 30 something million dollars there. Josh Reddick's money that you really don't want to be spending next year. And I'm wondering if Josh Reddick could be dealt at the trade deadline, and here's another reason why I think it, it, it's a good possibility or something could happen there. The Astros are loaded with outfielders on the brink, and it's early, but Jordan Alvarez, who looked very good in spring training, has looked scary good so far. Now, this is AAA, and I get it, but it's not Fresno AAA. It's not high-altitude AAA. We're in Round Rock now, and in his first seven games in Round Rock, Jordan Alvarez has five home runs. He's hitting 391 with a 500 on base percentage and a 1630 OPS. Yeah, seven games, but uh, he's got five home runs. Yeah, I understand that. But, dude, come on. Look, this is what the – I mean, the Astros aren't going to be
1: trading Josh Reddick if he's hitting at all decently. I mean, if he's hitting 220 or around the Mendoza line and you have to bench him or something – they aren't trading him, okay? They, they're trying to win a championship this year. And what does that, what does that send to your clubhouse, a guy who's been instrumental to your two teams that you've been to the postseason the last two years, who's a big part of the clubhouse, is having a good season, and you all of a sudden deal him away just so you can make room for some AAA player? I don't care how good a prospect is. It sends a wrong message to the guys in the clubhouse, for one. And B, I mean— you think about that after the season, Uh, after the season, it's fair game, but not during a season. You're not trading. I mean, that's the type of stuff that Oakland did when they traded away Cespedes, but they were doing it for salary dump reasons. And, you know, they they were still in contention. But generally, teams that are in contention don't trade their veteran players because it also alienates the clubhouse. It says, are you trying to win this year? We want all the bullets. We want all the hands on deck. So they'll call up Jordano Alvarez if there's an injury, and that guy can get in the lineup that way. And I, I agree with you. The guy's been able to hit at every level. He could be a potential future star for the Astros. Kyle Tucker's another guy that can be up there. But to me, the only way that they're going to get in there is if maybe through, you know, Another possibility is you know DH because we haven't seen too much out of like Tyler White to begin the season. So if they decide to go in that route and you know bring up and say hey you know either play first base and then Yuli can DH or whatever they want to do. Right, right. I
0: I agree with you. You know Tyler White's definitely a possibility for sure. I'm I'm gonna agree with you there. But but uh, this is the reason I bring that up. The reason I bring just the, the idea up. And and I your perspective, I'm sure, is a lot of Astros fans' perspective. I'm sure it's a lot of. It's the perspective of a lot of of uh, fans of Josh Reddick and of the team and everything like that. It's not,
1: and, it's not only
0: just fans; it's baseball people. Well, you. But here, let me just t- let me talk about baseball people. Let me talk about front office and that sort of thing. You could talk about trading him once the off season starts. But it, at that point, I think it's going to be extremely hard to dump that to dump his contract, even if he had a good year for 1 year to somebody
1: why for a 1 year deal at 13 million if you're dumping him in the off if you get him in the off season That might be something somebody says, instead of like, I got to go out and sign an outfielder or a multi-year contract, because these guys don't, I can get Josh Reddick, who's a a very productive outfielder, batted around 300 this past season. I know he's that, but just for one season, I get out of my ball club. That's much better than having to go sign a multi-year deal for outfielders that want 60 to 80 million, you know, who are maybe around Josh Reddick's skill level. I just think that's very unrealistic, unless he totally falls off the table, which makes him not trade bait anyway. They aren't going to be trading a guy that's playing well, hitting oh, close to 300, gives him good defense, is good in the clubhouse, is a veteran player, gets along well with his teammates, you're not going to ship him off at the trading deadline. Just aren't. Because players look at that as like, this guy's having a great season. He can help us right now. Why are you trading away at the trade deadline? to make room for a guy that might be a great minor leaguer, but he's never proven a thing at the big leagues. It'd be, it'd, it'd be like trading away somebody on an NBA roster that's, you know, a good wing player that's giving you all the stuff because you, a guy at the G legs playing well and you want to insert the G league guy in there instead of the guy who's the proven bet that's playing well again. You know I mean? That, that's what it is to me. Yeah, so anyway, I know, I, I, I know, I know,
0: I know, I get, I under, I exactly understand what you're saying. Everything that you say makes total sense. I think everybody out there knows that everything that you say makes total sense, but I I, I think it's extremely hard for people that for teams to I don't think they like taking on anybody that's making that kind of money with somebody of Josh Reddick's age in the off season you, when their guard is down in the on the trade deadline and they're like I, we think we could we're one player away and look at this guy and whatever that's why I, I think it's going to be much easier to get rid of him like two months from now than what they're going to have to try to do in the off season. And maybe you're going to have to give a, away something as a bonus to get rid of him in the off season, because I think it's, it's that difficult. I mean, we've looked at the money and what's happened in the off season and what, how GMs look at this. And it, it's a totally different market. And I think it, you get a better chance to do that at the deadline. And I, I get what he means in the clubhouse, Um As far as on the field goes, you can go. Yeah, he's he's hitting 300. But Josh Reddick, even if he's hitting 300 with two months to go, we've seen Josh Reddick in the postseason. We've seen Josh Reddick over the course of the last to several years. Josh Reddick likely is not going to be a 300 hitter. Likely, if you look at Josh Reddick's career average, it's it's around 260. Forget the you know the clubhouse stuff. Look at that. Look at that, and remember that he's your seven or eight hitter. This isn't. The NBA, where you got 12 guys, and he's a critical rotation guy. This is a, a, a roster that's loaded with guys one through six, in the, and and Josh Reddick right now is, is your seventh hitter. You can afford to gamble on somebody else. The Astros have guys, you know, up and down the organization that they could gamble on. That might be able to get him similar numbers to what Josh Reddick does.
1: I completely disagree with you, though, because I think the only way—if he's hitting 300, they're not trading him. If he's hitting close to 300, having a good season. If he's hitting 220, I think that that's when they decide to—if if if by July he's struggling, he's down to like the Mendoza line or not hitting well.
0: And you're going to have to give away prospects to get rid of him at that point.
1: No, they're not going to get rid of him. They aren't going to get rid of him, but they could relegate him. They could bench him. They could bench him and call up somebody else. You know, that's what can happen.
0: I, I think what you said makes a ton of sense, but I also feel like there there's monetary stuff. And at some point, you know, Jeff Luna going to have to deal with that.
1: I, I just think he deals with it in the offseason. That's where I and I agree with you. I think next uh, this upcoming offseason, going to look at like if you want to sign some of these guys long term and you got Josh Reddick for one year at 13 million. To me, that's also a prime dime to deal him because as we've seen, you know, it's just like one-year contracts in any sport. It's much easier for a team to stomach and say, oh, I'll go out and take – I mean, look at the Cincinnati Reds. They took on like Yasiel Puig's one-year contract, and I think Alex Wood one year. I mean, all these guys that they, they went out and traded for that have one-year contracts that they can say, well, if it doesn't work out, they can you know leave after this season. So one-year deals at least, it's not all that money tied to it. So I think you can have a little bit more flexibility there. But for the Astros, it will be good because they can – a call up some of their young players for minimum or offer extension to players that are already on the team kind of, you know, so, I mean, it it can work out for, and we still don't know what's going to happen with Garrett Cole. I mean, uh, the the Yankees being back in town this past week, I, I looked at, you know, Garrett Cole was drafted by the Yankees in two thousand eight. He elected to go
0: to UCLA. Oh, don't throw the wet don't throw the Yankees wet blanket already. Come on.
1: Well no, I'm just saying that I can already see that that's why with the you know, with Garrett Cole not signing the extension, that's why I was so happy to get Justin Verlander signed. Because just think of the Astros are going to the offseason with, you know, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole both free agents. I think Garrett Cole being a Scott Boris and, and looking at what the landscape could be as far as for pitchers out there. I mean, he's going to probably go to free agency and and might be too rich for the Astros, probably will be. So, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, I mean, maybe I'd be surprised here in the Astros sign him and get him into a long term deal. But that's why, uh, you know, I'm thinking like the Yankees are going to be because of what's happened with Luis Severino and the fact that, you know, they'll have money to spend next off season, I, I see them and they've always been enamored of Garrett Cole. They were linked to him even in the Astros Pittsburgh trade that everybody thought he was gonna go to the Yankees and the Astros got him. So when usually the Yankees want somebody or do something, I don't mean to throw a wet blanket and all that sort of stuff, but uh I I feel like that, you know, might at least, you know, Garrett Cole's gonna have bitters this upcoming off season. So it's really good the Astros have Verlander resigned and what Colin McHugh's doing, I mean, that's a guy that, you know, again could maybe be under the radar signing, give him an extension at this. And then, you know, Lance McCullers comes back for us, Whitley. I mean, the Astros will still have options. I'm just talking about, like, Garrett Cole. To me, it looks like a guy that could potentially leave after this season, more so than it did even a few weeks ago.
0: All right, if you're keeping score at home, I was just trying to maybe trade Josh Reddick, the the, the seventh best Astro player in the lineup, and somebody that's probably going to be gone uh, in a few months anyways. And RG is trying to uh, t- tell us about Garrett Cole going to the Yankees next year. So advantage me, I think, on that category. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> but uh, that's all we got for this one. Uh, lots of good Astros stuff. Talking Rockets, maybe maybe a playoff podcast coming up pretty soon in a couple of days. So until next time, uh, good to talk to you guys out there. And, again, info at Houston Sports Talk. Remember, share us also. We always mention it at the end of the show, but share share the stuff. Uh, Tell your friends, but share it out on social media, Twitter, Facebook. We'd appreciate it. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hey there, listener. Are you a fan of Houston Cougar Athletics? Well, Sam and I have got the perfect podcast for you. It's the Scott and Holman Podcast. Yeah, we're talking all things Houston Cougars, in-season, off-season, recruiting, on-field results. If it's Houston Cougars, we're talking about it. So search Scott and Holman Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.